Hello, you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Hallelujah. I love, I love healing. You know that is God's will. It is God's will to heal. That's not a question. It is God's will to heal. You know, I, um, I don't think we've ever lived in a time that there's been so much sickness. That there's been so much disease and illness in the earth all at one time. Of course, there's millions and billions of people now on the earth that there wasn't long ago. Do I need to take my earring off? You know, billions of dollars are poured into health care. Millions of dollars are spent on diets and organic foods and homeopathic treatments and natural regimes. And there's nothing wrong with that. Those are good things. But there's so much money that's poured into those things and people are not walking in healing. You know, there's drop-in pain clinics that are given out highly addictive drugs and illegal drugs. And um, there's surgeries that are available to repair, remove, replace whatever is broken or whatever you dislike. You do know that, right? And we're living in an opioid crisis. But still people are sick, they're suffering, and they don't like the way they look, so they want to change it all. But people do need to be healed. They need to be whole. And Jesus has it. Jesus has it. He's, got, he's already paid for it. He's already done what it takes for us to walk in that. Amen? So what we're going to look at today is how to do that. Amen? Um, now... I do want to say this. There are many aspects to healing. Each one is very important. I'm not going to be able to cover them all today. All of us that are taking this Sunday, there's no way that we can cover everything because healing is so deep. There's so many aspects to it. Um, We can liken it to an onion. I I was sitting and I was talking with the Lord about this and he showed me. He said it's kind of like an onion. Healing is. You know, an onion has all these layers to it, right? And each layer is an important layer because each layer makes up what? The whole entire onion. Healing is the same way. There's walking in love. There's walking in forgiveness. There's letting go of bitterness, right? There's um, meditating on the word. There's speaking the word. There's getting rid of doubt. There's all these layers, but it all equals healing. Okay, but thank God for the Holy Spirit. He'll show us any area in our life where we need to tweak or make an adjustment. Any area that if you're believing God for healing and you're you're appropriating his word and you're doing all you know and we're not seeing that manifested result, we can go before him and we can say, you know, Lord, I'm just asking you to show me right now. Am I missing something somewhere? Am, Am I missing it? And he is so gracious, he'll show you. He will reveal it, right? So first, I want to start off with, we must know and believe that healing was provided to us and for us by the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Galatians 3.13 says, he actually became a curse for us on that tree, on that cross, Now, the list of the curse can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 28. I don't want to read that whole thing. You can go and read that yourself. But it lists absolutely everything. God's plan of redemption included physical healing as well as spiritual regeneration. In God's mind, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was restoring man's spirit, soul, and body to wholeness. Not just our physical bodies, but he wants us to be mentally whole. You know, the, when I said there's so much sickness and disease in the earth, mental illness. Have you ever seen so much mental illness before? People can be sick in their body, but they can be sick in their mind. 
right? There, now, there's some things, there's some, there's some seriously, some chemical imbalance in there, but God wants to heal that. God wants to heal all kinds of sickness and disease. Uh, the second thing is healing is God's will for everyone. God is no respecter of persons. Amen. In Isaiah 53, uh, verses 4 and 5, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses. He's carried our sorrows and pains, yet we ignorantly considered him stricken and smitten and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and our iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace for us was upon him. And by his stripes that wounded him, we are healed. In every one of those 39 stripes was every disease that's ever been and ever will be. So there's not a disease, a sickness, an illness on planet earth now or that will come in, okay, that they, they find, okay, or they name, okay, that Jesus has not paid the price for. This coronavirus stuff, it's getting blown out of proportion. Are, are we going to believe God or are we going to run scared? On Thursday, I taught in, in ladies' Bible study about bulldog faith. And I didn't know this at the time, but there's no, supposedly, there's no bleach to be found. No toilet paper. What's toilet paper got to do with it? But no wet, no, uh, what you call them, cleanly wipes. You know, they're sanitary wipes. Bleach. All these things. Water. Things are just, they're scarce. You can't find them. Okay. I'm not saying that we should not be wise. We should be wise. God expects us to operate in wisdom. But my questions to the ladies were, okay, if you go to the store and it's out, what you going to do? Stay in your house, lock the door and pull down the blinds just because there's no bleach, there's no sanitary wipes? What you going to do? Oh, we're going to believe God. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to speak the name of Jesus. I'm going to use the blood of Jesus and wisdom together. I'm going to operate and live in Psalms 91. No plague shall come not my dwelling. And wherever my dwelling is, is where I am at the time. Amen? Either this works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, I'm going to just kill me now. So I can go on to eternity. But it does work because I've seen it. I've seen it work in my life. I've seen it work in other people's life. This is truth. You can rely on that. I'll, I tell you what. There's one thing that you cannot take from me. You can have everything I own. I don't care. But you can't take from me that God is faithful. God is faithful. This word can be trusted. I know that. Another scripture that we know that it is his will to heal is 1 Peter 2.24. Jesus reclaimed the keys of authority. This is the third, third thing I want to bring out. Jesus reclaimed the keys of authority and he gave them back to the church. In Matthew 18, 18 verses 19, um, Jesus gave the, us authority and the right to use his name and his blood. He knew that we would need his name and his blood to reinforce the victory and the salvation that he already accomplished on the cross. Right? Because within our own power and knowledge, we're limited. We have boundaries. But this is what it says in Matthew 18, verses 18 and 19. Truly, I tell you that whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit and declare proper and unlawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree, if you harmonize together, make a symphony together about whatever, anything you ask, it will come to pass and be done to him by my Father in heaven. So in other words, whatever is forbidden in heaven, we can forbid here on earth. Is there sickness and disease in heaven? Then we can forbid it from operating in our lives right here on earth. Amen? Amen. If it's not in heaven... We have the right to forbid it from operating in our life. Come on. Come on. That's what the word says. That's not me. Come on. Okay? Amen. And whatever is allowed in heaven, we can decree to be allowed in operation in our lives. So is there healing in heaven? Yes. Jesus. 
Is there good things in heaven? There's only good in heaven. There's only increase in health and peace and joy in heaven. Then we can decree that to be in operation in our life. Amen. Now that's what the word says. That's not my word. Okay. God's medication is his word. You all know that the enemy has a threefold plan for our life. We can see it in John 10, 10. It says he's come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And he will steal whatever we allow him to take from us. He wants to steal the word that's been sown in our hearts immediately. Because he knows that if, he, if it stays there long enough to take root and grow, then we will defeat him. That's why when you hear a good word, you walk out the door and there's some kind of test or trial or phone call or text or some kind of little snippet word that comes against you and, and, and you forget about that and you walking in, what you talking about? You know, you get an attitude. That's the enemy coming in to steal the word that was just sown in your heart so you can walk in victory. You know, he's not so scared about us receiving the truth. He doesn't care. You know, he don't care that everybody's here today. Because it's not doing him any harm that you're here. It's what we do with what we hear that scares him. Okay? Because if we begin to meditate, if we ponder, if we think on... If we really get those God thoughts on the inside of us and they produce um, roots and they grow and it becomes action, that's when he's scared. That's when he becomes really nervous because we become dangerous. The word of God that's meditated upon and acted upon by us becomes a weapon of mass destruction for the enemy. The word that we meditate upon and then we act on becomes dangerous to him. Simply hearing the word, just hearing it, doesn't do anything to him. We've got to put it in action against him. That's the only way it becomes dangerous to him. And then he don't like that and then he's going to rise up against you. That's, That's what he's supposed to do. You understand that? He's got to do what he's supposed to do. But when we do what we're empowered to do, he can't win. He cannot win. In Jeremiah 15, 16, I love this. It says, your words were found and I ate them. And your words to me were a joy and a rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord of hosts. That's the amplified version. Here's another version. It says, when, I, when your words showed up, I ate them. I swallowed them whole. What a feast. What a feast. That was the message version. You know, in Psalms 1, 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seats of the scornful. But his delight is in the word of the Lord, and in his word, God's word, he meditates, he meaning me and you, day and night. That man shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So I got to thinking about this. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Well, we can think, I don't listen to anything ungodly. I'm pretty pure. You know, I've watched what I, watch what I put before my eyes on TV. I, I, I don't listen to anything bad. But what if you go to the doctor and he said something that's contrary to this. Is that wise counsel? Like if he says, okay, you've got this disease. 
Is that godly or ungodly? It's ungodly. Okay. Now, you need to listen to the doctor. Okay, I'm not going to tell you not to go to the doctor because if you need to go to the doctor, you should go to the doctor. But you can't put his word higher than God's word. That's what I'm saying. Okay? My whole thing today is the title of the message is Biblical Meditation is God's Medication. That's the title. I think I forgot to tell you that. Biblical medication, or excuse me, biblical meditation is God's medication. So I'm not going to tell you not to go to the doctor, but you've got to put the word with it. You've got to couple them together. And God's word's always got to be higher than whatever man's word is. Okay? Always. So, I got to thinking about that. You've got to watch what you're counseled. That we don't put it as the word over God's word. That's what I'm saying. Now, when you go and you hear that, you've got to take it before the Lord. You, you, can't, you can't go on what, what I'm saying. You've got to take it before the Lord. And he will, he will sort it out and he'll show you what to do. And he will give you a plan of action. That is custom designed for you. Okay? God is a custom God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to detour just very quickly. This is not in my notes. But I want you to look at something that changed my life. Psalms 119 verse 96. Because it kind of backs up what I said about the doctor's word. It says... This is the Amplified. I have seen that everything human has its limits and end, no matter how extensive and noble and excellent it may be. But your commandment, or your word, is exceedingly broad and extends without limits into eternity. So everything that man tells you has limits. It has boundaries. There's a beginning. There's an end. Okay? It has its limitations. God's word has no limitations. That's why if you go to the doctor and he says, you have this, you're going to die. You can say, no, thank you. This says I will live and not die. This says that by his stripes I was healed. Now you may have a five-year journey before you. I don't know. You could have a five-day journey. You could have a five-year journey. I don't know. But you don't have to die. That's what I'm saying. Okay? Healing comes from the word. You have to meditate on the word. And, and I'm, I'm going to get to that, okay? So now we're going to get back over here. I want to define meditate. Meditate means to focus your thoughts on. It means to reflect or to ponder over. It's the act of giving your attention to one thing, deliberately focusing on that thing. Reflecting on their meaning, and it also means to speak out loud. It means to mutter. How many of you talk to yourself? Come on, girls. We do. I don't know if guys do or not. Do you talk to yourself? You do? It's just real quiet? I'm not quiet. I'll be talking to myself. <laughs> and Pastor Bruce will go, What? I said, oh, nothing. I'm just talking to myself. But, you know, we have to speak the word. We've got to speak the word. When it says meditate the word day and night, we've got to meditate on the word. By his stripes, I am healed. By your stripes, I was healed. Lord, your word says that no plague, no, no, no bad, no, no plague will come not my dwelling. You've got to ponder these things. You've got to think about these things. That's what that scripture did in Psalms 119 verse 96. I just, I can't even tell you how I found it. It was even marked in my Bible, so I had read it. But when I read it, I did this double take and I was like, wow. That, 
And it just exploded in me. And I kept thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And so there is nothing that man can say to you that will defeat or nullify what God's word says to you. This is personal. This isn't just a book. This is personal to you. This is his will for your life, your family, your marriage, your children, your finances, your future. This is personal. So we've got to take it personal. And when things are personal, we think about them. Amen? So you meditate on the word. Blessed is the man, okay, um, who meditates day and night. And then it says, but his delight shall be in the word of the Lord. The word delight means to, it means please to do. Kind of like Chick-fil-A. It's my pleasure. They're delighted to serve you. Right? When they say, it's my pleasure. They're delighted to serve you. Well, it's our delight to meditate on the word. It's our delight to serve the Lord. We're excited about it. It's my heart's desire. That's what that means. So Christian meditation, okay, is not. I'm going to define what it's not. Christian meditation is not sitting on the floor with your legs crossed, humming to yourself, and chanting. It's not emptying your head of all the thoughts and creating balance in your mind with positive incantations. That's called opening up the door for the devil. You do that, something's going to come in. I'm just going to tell you. But I think it's very important that I define because meditation is real big right now. It's very big. Let's just meditate. Mm. No. If you're going to meditate, you need to meditate on the words of God. Because that's the thing that's got the holds the power. Did you understand? Power. The creative power. In Romans chapter 8, it says the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in you and me. And we walk around defeated. We walk around sick. We walk around, you know, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. I'm sick and I'm tired. We've got to understand, we've got that resurrection power inside of us. We've got to tap into it. I'm not saying that things don't come against us. Oh, they come against us all right. They do. Hard and strong. But we're going to talk about what you do when, that, when it does come against you. Okay? So biblical meditation is developing a relationship with God and His Word. And that's where the change comes in. You know, if you've ever been worried, if you've ever worried, or you've ever taken offense, that's meditation in a negative sense. Because what happens? You know, you think about it. You think. You're thinking and you're thinking, what? That's right. Oh, my word. And you're having this conversation with yourself. Well, I'm never going to speak to them again. Well, they're off my list. I'm done. Done. (laughs) And you think about those things, right? And you have this conversation in your head or maybe even out loud. But it's negative. So you've got this, before, you're, before you even realize what's happened, you've got this negative stronghold in your life. You've got this attitude towards something or somebody, all because you were meditating on the wrong thing instead of the word. Okay? So, I want to give you a word picture of a person who has meditated on the word. I love this. It's in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 and 8. It says, blessed. Another word for blessed in Hebrew is happy or joyful. 
Blessed is the man who believes in, who trusts in, and relies on the Lord, and whose hope and confidence the Lord is. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river, and it shall not see and fear when heat comes. That's very important. But its leaves shall be green. It shall not be anxious and full of care in the year of drought, nor cease yielding fruit. So it doesn't say that drought won't come. It doesn't say heat won't come. It doesn't say challenge won't come. It doesn't say, you know, that things won't knock on your door and try to come into your life. It says when they come, you're not going to be defeated. When the... When all this comes, you're going to still be standing. You're going to be green and you're going to be bearing fruit. And there's a little sway in there. God put a little sway in there. So when the wind comes, you're not knocked down. You got a little, got a little sway in there. Now, by contrast, here's a word picture of a man who does not trust in God, who does not meditate in his word, but his trust is in himself. Now, this is the same chapter, Jeremiah 17, but this is verse 5 and 6. The Lord says, Cursed is the man who trusts in and relies on himself, making weak humanity his arm of strength, and whose mind and heart turn aside from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub. A shrub. You won't be a tree, you won't be a shrub. I'm going to be a tree. You shall be like a shrub or a person naked and destitute in the desert. I don't want to be naked in the desert. And he will not see any good come, but he shall dwell in the parched places in the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be a picture of me. I want to be a tall tree planted by the rivers getting my nourishment from the word of God. I'm bearing fruit. When the heat comes, I'm not going to shrivel and dry up. I'm not going to blow over and and my roots come up and then I die. No, I'm going to stand strong and I will come through the hot summer. I will come through the, the storm, the hurricane. I will come through. When we meditate on God's word, when we give attention to it, make it priority, when we begin to speak it, it builds our trust in God. It builds our confidence in him. This is what you have to do. You've got to grab hold of some scriptures, build up your faith in him. This is where trust in him comes. His character is revealed in his word. You cannot read the word of God and not have an encounter with him. Because this is him. You know, God and his word are one. They can't be separated. They, they can't be pried apart. There's, there's nowhere you can pry them apart. They are one. They're unified. So when you get in here, you see him, you see his character, you see he's a loving father, that he wants the best for you, that he doesn't want you sick, he wants you made well, he wants you made whole. Now there are conditions to the promises, but we do them and we receive the promise. He's got healing for us, but we've got to meditate in it, okay? Look at this, Proverbs 4.23. Keep, your, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, guard your heart. Why? For out of it flow the springs of life. This is what another version says. It says, be careful what you think on. Above all that you guard, protect your heart because your thoughts run your life. And life flows from your thoughts. I mean, think about that. It's, it's that same with that negativity. When you think on that and think on that, think about the negative stuff. Somebody's done something to you. So you think and you ponder and you meditate on that. And you think and you ponder and you meditate on that. And then it just kind of consumes you, right? And then it shapes how you act. It changes how you respond to that person. Another version says, um, 
guard your heart more than anything else because the source of your life flows from it. Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. What we think on is then how we react to other people, how we respond, what we say. So our thoughts are extremely important. This is what the message says. Keep vigilant and watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid, avoid careless banter, white lies and gossip. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Watch your step and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither to the right or the left and leave evil in the dust. So we can see that it's vitally important what we read, what we put our eyes on, what we listen to. It's extremely important. It either brings life or death, right? In Joshua 1.8, it talks about meditating on the word. It says, this book of the word, or this book of the word of God shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate, think upon, speak out loud. How often? Day and night. That you may observe to do all according that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. Psalms 119 says, I will meditate on your precepts and I have respect to your ways. Or you could say your word because his way is his word, right? The paths of life are marked out by your word. Isn't that good? The path of life you can see right here through the word. And I love Psalms 10720 says, God sent his word and healed us and delivered us. From all our distractions. Hallelujah. He sent his word. To heal us. And deliver us from all our destructions. That's a promise right there. If that's the only scripture you had. That's good enough. To receive your healing. Amen. You know faith comes through the word. In Romans ten seventeen, It says faith comes by hearing. And hearing the what? The word of God. So, the word has to be ingested and then digested to be effective. I like to put it like that. You know, think about children. When children are learning to feed themselves, they don't always make the mouth. Right? It kind of lands on the tray. If it's a high chair, it lands on the floor. Sometimes it's in their hair. And then you have to help them because not a lot made it into the mouth. Because really it's only what makes it into the mouth that gets ingested. It's what's going to bring nourishment to them. Right? So you know what? You can go to church. You can go to church every day of the week. And you can hear, hear, hear. Or you can even have your TV on. And you can see it and you can watch it. You can listen to it. And it's great to listen. But you know, it, it, like my mom said, it goes in one ear and what? Out the other. It's got to go in my ear and down into the soil of my heart. It's got to be planted. I got to think about it. It's got to take root. If something doesn't take root, it won't grow and it won't produce anything. If you sow a seed, the word is likened to a seed in, in Mark. If you sow a seed and it doesn't sprout and have the little roots, it will never grow up and push through the dirt and then grow up into whatever it is. Let's say, I don't know, a lemon tree. If it doesn't have the little sprouts and push up through the dirt and then come up, it will never Produce the lemon. And that's the goal. Is the lemon off the tree. But it's got to. What would you say germinate? It's got to germinate. And have those little roots. And then it has to sprout up. And then the lemons will come. And, that, and that's a process of time. That takes time. Now, the word doesn't take as long as a lemon tree to produce fruit. Thank goodness. 
But it's the same concept. You can't just hear it and then say, oh, that was good, and then walk away. That's the parable of the sower right there. Because the cares of the world come, troubles come, the devil comes immediately to steal that word that you just heard, right? And then you're not meditating on anything. You're just meditating on the problem that's before you or the word that you've just got, the bad news that you've just got. You've got to have the word rooted and grounded in your heart so that when bad news comes, it doesn't shake you. Psalms 112 talks about that. It says, when bad news comes, you're not shaken because you're rooted and grounded in the word. Now, I need to tell you something. You don't have to know the Bible from cover to cover. You don't have to have a doctor behind your name. You don't have to have gone to Bible school. This was written for ordinary people. I'm pretty ordinary. I'm, in fact, I'm as ordinary and in square as they come. I'm not all that. I'm no big deal. So if I can get a hold of this, you can. And we have to because it's a life. So I have to finish with... I talked about the kids. Okay. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. This is delicious. My son, attend to my words. Consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing and health to all their flesh. Isn't that good? That's delicious. This is what the message says. Dear friend, listen well to my words. Tune your ear to my voice. Keep my message in plain view at all times. Concentrate. Learn it by heart. Those who discover these words live. They really live. Body, soul, they're bursting with health. Isn't that good? You know, the medicine that God prescribes in his word, many make the mistakes of, sub, of substituting their belief in healing for the actual taking of God's medicine or God's word. Okay? So we say, I believe in healing, I believe in healing, I believe in healing. And they think that they're getting a hold of the concept of healing because they believe in it. I mean, who, who wouldn't? It sounds great. But just believing in healing doesn't get the healing. Okay? There's some things that we have to do to grab a hold of it, to bring it into the realm of the manifested. Okay? So I'm going to say that again. The medicine that God prescribes in his word, which is scripture, right? Many people make the mistake of substituting their belief in healing for the actual taking of God's medicine. When you take God's medicine, you're meditating upon it. You're pondering it. You're getting it in your heart and your mind, and then it's actually changing what you think about something. You're making an exchange for what man says and what he believes and says. You're, you're exchanging it for what God says. Man says, you've got cancer, you're going to die. You're in stage 10. There's no hope. Well, God says, you will live and not die to declare my glory. By the stripes of Jesus, you were already healed. So this is, this is, you've got to meditate on that. And that's God's medicine. Okay? Biblical meditation is God's medication. Okay? People say, I believe in healing and I believe it's God's will to heal. And they stop there without taking the medicine. So see, 
you go to the doctor and you get medicine. And it tells you what to do. Rub it on. Take it by mouth, right? We're usually good about taking and finishing the prescription from the doctor. But it has to be done according to the directions to bring about the desired result, right? Some medications, uh, their labels read, take internally, others say externally. If you rub on your body externally when the directions say take internally, it won't work, right? If you take it after meals when the directions say take it before meals, it reduces the effectiveness, right? To take it once in a while when the directions say three times a day will mean limited results, if any at all, right? So no matter how good the medicine is, it must be taken according to the directions for it to bring about the desired results, right? Okay. So it is with God's word. It's got to be taken according to directions. When it says to meditate, that's what you got to do. When it says you got to think upon it, speak it, listen to it, read it, have it before your eyes at all times, that's what you got to do. So that comes from the doctor. This comes from the Lord. You go to the Lord, he gives you a prescription. Meditate, speak out loud, and sing on this scripture multiple times during the day and night. I will bless the Lord, O my soul. I will not forget one of his benefits. He forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases. Psalms 103. Thank you, Lord. You've forgiven me for all my transgressions. And you heal all my iniquities. Or diseases. You speak it and you sing it. You speak it and you sing it and you meditate on it. You put it in your ears. You listen to the tapes. You buy CDs. You have your husband put it on your phone on these little files. That's what I did. We bought these CDs and he loaded them on my phone. Now I can put my little earbuds in and I listen to him. At night when I go to bed, I listen to Brother Hagen. But you listen to whoever you want to, provided they're teaching the word. If they're not teaching the word, you better not listen to them. Meditate. So this is, this is the directions. Meditate on this scripture all day long. Keep it before your eyes at all times. Listen to it at night when sleeping. Jesus himself bore my sins in his own body on the cross. That I, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, and by his stripes I was healed. 1 Peter 2.24 Give attention to and think on these words every day, multiple times a day. Say them out loud to yourself. This is where you can talk to yourself. For I will restore health to you and heal all your wounds, says the Lord. Jeremiah 30, 17. This is what you have to do. This is God's medication. It's biblical meditation. This is God's medication. It's biblical meditation. Meditating on the word. That's what changes. It changes the way you think. It will produce a change in your body. It produces a change in your body. You know, if I have an error code that flashes up on my washer... And it's, you know, it flashes up this code, right? And I'm like, well, it's dinging, it's flashing. I, I guess I'm going to go to the manual. So I got my dryer manual. Okay, so I'm going to read my dryer manual. But it doesn't tell me what to do for my washer. Because it's the what? Dryer Oh, well, I'll go to the gas range manual. It's flashing on my washer. I got French. I got Spanish. Oh, here's some English. Okay. 
I, I, it's not telling me what to do. Why? Because it's the wrong manual. It's not going to tell me what to do. I've got to go to the right manual to tell me what to do. The right manual will show me what that error code is. Oh, oh that's easy. I've got to open the washer and I've got to distribute the towels. Because they kind of got unbalanced. So I've got to redistribute them. Oh, that's easy. It's just a self-clean mode. I have to push the self-clean. But you have to go to the what? The right manual. To get the right instructions to fix the problem. This will fix the symptoms. But to be completely cured and never have it again comes from this. People take this all the time for fear and for anxiety. And that's a, I'm not saying it's wrong because there may be people in here that you are on medication for fear, anxiety, or whatever. No condemnation. If that's what your doctor's told you to do, work with him. But please add the word to it. So that you're not on that for the rest of your life. So you're not a slave to this. You see, that's where the devil wants you to be a slave to this. And never, never do that. That's not God's best for you. They need to be put together. And they work together. And then when the, the more you work these things together... And you work them to, and it's work. People, it's work. Let me tell you. It, this is not, it's not an easy road. Faith is not an easy road. But it is a blessed life. When you do it, it's a blessed life. And there's peace and there's joy in doing it. Okay? But it takes, it requires working at it. But, but you, God doesn't want you to be a slave to that. He wants you to have this coupled with that and then one day this rules over that amen that's the desired result it's a journey it's a process it doesn't happen overnight do you understand that there is no condemnation for anyone who's taken anything listen I have to take some allergy medicine every now and then okay I do. And I don't feel guilt and condemnation. I just say, thank you, Lord, that I'm taking this medicine. And um, by your stripes, I'm healed. And this stuff is not going to come. And I'm, I'm building up a resistance to these allergens with your word. Okay? Your word is making a force field in me, building up a force field in me. So these allergens that come against me, they're not going to, I'm not going to need that one day. Okay? All right. So, God is the great physician, and he prescribed his word as medicine for our healing. It's been proven to heal, but it's got to be taken according to directions. Amen? So we have to meditate. God's word is a healing agent, just as medicine as a healing agent or a catalyst. Medicine itself contains the capacity to bring about some relief and symptoms, okay, and some healing. But God's word contains within it the capacity, the power, the ability, and the energy, and the nature to produce a healing and a cure. Amen? Remember that Proverbs 4.22 says, God's words are life to those who find them. And health to all their flesh. Okay? So, biblical medication is God's medication. I submit this to you. Instead of placing all of our thought time into what the doctors say, into what social media says, um, in instead of what WebMD says, we need to be focusing and meditating and speaking the life-giving words of God that He gave us. In his word. Okay? The word of God has to be 
or the word of God had to be spoken before it was written. And it was written so it could be spoken. Isn't that good? I'm going to say that again. The word of God had to be spoken before it was written. Because God spoke it, right? And it had to be spoken before it could be written. But it was written so it could be spoken. It's the spoken word out of your mouth that changes your circumstance. It's the spoken word out of your mouth that changes the circumstance. Through meditation on the word of God, healing, um, our healing will transform our lives. We begin to build our house upon the rock of God's word concerning our health. We'll never rise above the confession and the profession of our lips. Okay? We either rise or fall to the level of what we're saying. That's why it's so important what you say. The moment we say that we don't have faith, doubt will rise up and move in and like a giant squid, grab hold of you and take you to the bottom. It will suffocate the life out of you. We're snared by the words of our mouth. That's Proverbs 6, 2. And you are caught by the speech of your lips. Snared is like a trap. I mean... When an animal gets in a trap, it, 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 they, don't, they can't get out. And it usually breaks their leg or breaks whatever's caught in the trap, right? That's, that's exactly what happens to us with our words. So when you're believing God for healing, you've got to speak the word. And you can't speak what this says because this will negate the word. So it's very important. If you get a negative report, okay, so be it. That's factual. That may be a true fact. But you speak this. You speak, you know this represents a word. If you speak the word over what the doctors say, it will change this. It will change that situation. It will change those symptoms. It will change that thing. And remember, it's a process. It's a journey. But it, it can be done. But you can't speak faith and fear. They don't mix. It's like oil and water. Do oil and water mix? No. One's on top of the other. You can shake it, but you can still see it never mixes. Right? Okay. Psalms 119, verse 130, the entrance and unfolding of your words give light. Their unfolding gives understanding and discernment and comprehension to the simple. Now, the simple doesn't mean stupid. It just means ones who don't know. That verse is my favorite verse because that's all about me. Because where I'm simple, I want to... I want to gain understanding. I want to gain discernment. I want, I want to gain knowledge. And that's what his word does. It opens my eyes. It reveals things that I don't know or don't understand. Now, I want to talk about the attitude of faith. Because you have to have faith to walk in healing. Faith in his word. Faith in God's word. Right? Fear and self-pity... And even sympathy and empathy are major negative factors when sickness and disease are present. But they can be replaced with faith and confidence in God's word. Remember, it's quantity. No, it's not quantity. It's quality. When you're talking about prayer, it's quality, not quantity. I don't want a hundred people praying for me. Because there may be some people in there that aren't, they're not all in faith. They don't know the word. They're not speaking the word. I'd rather have 10 people that know the word, that are speaking the word, that are in agreement with me without a shadow of a doubt. I'd rather have those 10 people that are speaking the word in agreement with me than 100 people that there may be some in there that are, you know, they're not sure. Because God's not going to answer you just because there's a hundred people praying for you, right? That's why I said it's quality above quantity. 
What if you were alone and you didn't have anybody? It was just you. <gasps> what if you were by yourself? Is God not going to heal you because there's no one to agree with? No. You know who you get in agreement with? Jesus, the Father, got the Holy Spirit, and you. That's a quorum right there. That's four. Automatically, there's four. They're in agreement with you. If you're in agreement with the Word, they're in agreement with you. So remember, it's quality not quantity. So in times of crisis and physical challenge, it doesn't matter um, the people that you spend time with. It doesn't matter about the people that you have around you. We've got to surround our people or surround ourselves with people that are going to encourage us with the word, that are going to speak the word, that are going to be in agreement with us, right? So um, we don't need sympathy. You need support. Okay. Um, in Hebrews 11, 1, faith is defined. It says, now faith is the substance, the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things that we hope for, being the proof of the things that we do not see and their conviction of their reality. Faith perceives as real fact what is not revealed to the five senses. Now, that's a whole lot, I know. But we can say it like this. Faith has a particular behavior. When faith finally finds what it needs and wants, it never moves until it receives or gets what it's seeking. Faith is determined, committed, and unrelenting. It knows what it wants, and it won't let go. It's kind of like a dog on a bone. Dogs like bones. And when it gets this bone of its dreams, it won't let go. Right? So I call that bulldog faith. We have to have bulldog faith. And y'all should understand that because this is Georgia. Georgia bulldog faith. So when you get a hold of a word, you're not going to let it go. Hell will freeze over. But you're not letting that word go because it's your lifeline. It's how the manifested desired result will come to pass. You, you don't let go. Okay, I'm going to have to wrap this up and I'm not really finished, but I do want to leave you with this. You know, I don't want you to think that I'm saying we have to live this high life and we're quoting the word and everything is wonderful and I'm just all smiles and I never have to take a pill and I never have any problems and it's all good and I'm just flying on 10 all the time. Because that's just not true. That's just not true. That's a fake life of faith. Because challenges come. Things happen. I don't feel good all the time. Right? But what am I going to do during that? What am I going to do when that happens? I take my medicine. I speak the word and I keep going and I keep going and I keep going and I speak the word and I keep going. I speak the word and I keep going. I speak the word and I keep going. When I need to rest, I rest. If you need to rest, you rest. If you need to go to the doctor, go to the doctor. If he prescribes you something, take this medicine with this medicine. Put it together. And whatever you do, pray over the medicine. Speak the word of God over the medicine. Because sometimes there's adverse reactions to the medicine. So put the word of God over that. But the life of faith isn't no problems, no challenges. But we have to use the word of God against those challenges. And you will come through. You will go through. You will come through. In Isaiah, it says, 
when the enemy comes in like a flood, and sometimes it feels like he comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard. What is the standard? It's his word. He raises up a standard against that flood. But we've got to raise the standard. You know, there's, there's, there's some things that God can't do for us. He can't speak the word for us. God can't speak the word for you. You have to do it. Okay? He can't confess the word. That's our job. But when we speak the word, it changes the situation. Amen? Only God's word brings hope, it brings help, it brings healing, and it builds faith. Speaking his word. Remember, biblical meditation is God's medication. Biblical meditation is his medication. You've got to meditate on the word, and that's how healing comes. Father, I just thank you that your word takes root in our heart. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. And remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.